Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us in this great wide world brought together by the internet. This is the last three guys to do a podcast are here for our Labor Day taping 2023. College football is off and rolling as I, as I am John Mortar with Andrew Bolton and Leon Brown. The first weekend of games getting close to be in the books. We've got a couple left, including Daniel's Florida State Seminoles taking on LSU in a few hours. And of course, tomorrow night, it's Clemson and Duke. Um, figure let's get the let's get the um, I guess bad news, whatever you want to call it, out of the way first. If you were tuning into Reinhardt University football, we promoted the broadcast on our last show. Uh, they were due to start off the season with Faulkner. It was a big Reinhardt victory, thirty-six to three. Stephen Craig did lead the offense in a very convincing. He threw to a bunch of different receivers. Uh, personally, it seems like Faulkner is on the way down. They were 4-7 and seven last year. Very bad uh, outing for them. Certainly not what they're used to. And now they get and now they get beat up in the, in the first game for Reinhardt. But if you tuned in expecting to hear us, you did not hear us. You heard Gabriel Schrey uh, take over the reins of the play-by-play. Whether or not he's going to do it the entire year, I'm not sure. Uh, we have been, um, Reinhardt Football has elected to go in a different direction with their broadcast crew this season. So um, Daniel and I and Leon are no longer going to be affiliated with the Eagles in this 2023 season. It's uh, very bittersweet, especially for me, because I've done, I've done the program uh, with a couple of exceptions since its inception way back in 2013 in that road game at Mercer, which the Eagles almost pulled out the victory. Jason Haynes was on the call then, but then he turned and he did road games that first year before eventually turning the reins full-time over to me after the Mercer game in 2014. And I've been at the voice of Reinhardt University football off and on. I think I missed maybe uh, two or three or maybe no more than five games in that time frame. Uh, there was, there was, uh, you know, a couple of travel games that were just too hard to get to. There was a game that I was, that I couldn't make cause I was hanging out with Spider-Man. Um, it was so, you know, it's again, very bittersweet to have grown up and gotten my college football start with this club and watch them attain such great heights in its first years of its infancy. Uh, they own the mid, uh, the Mid-South Conference foot. I'm sorry. It's the Appalachian Athletic Conference football and I don't see it uh, discontinuing this year. They should still get that title and make the NAIA playoffs. But uh, again, very bittersweet. Got a lot of emotions coming through. And it's just been, you know, pretty just me with my uh, feelings and emotions right now. I know Daniel and I were kind of yet on Friday night when we were doing the uh, before we were doing the Pace game. And we'll get into Pace Academy a little bit later on. Uh, we were just kind of going through the the highlights and the lowlights of the time. And we had some good highlights and we had some, you know, pretty bad lowlights. We, uh, there was a time that Reinhardt was in the national championship game and we did not get a chance to do it. Uh, that was, you know, that would have been a lot of fun if we had gotten that opportunity and maybe they would have won that national title game if that had happened. So, um, like I said, I'll always have a soft spot on my heart for Reinhardt, but uh, again, it's their decision I'm serving at their leisure, and they want to go in another direction. That is certainly their prerogative. Uh, we did not find out this until maybe 48 hours before uh, kickoff between the Eagles and the Eagles. That you know that I do have a little bit of a problem with. 
um, because we just didn't have any time to try and beat the bushes to try and find any sort of replacement. But again, we serve at their leisure. It's ultimately the university's call, and um, I just wish them the best of luck. Uh, all success on the gridiron as they try to keep things going in the NAIA. And it's not, again, it won't be the end of us. You'll still see us some on Saturdays. Um, I've got a PA announcement doing PA for the Clark Atlanta game on Saturday. So you, know, you can catch me if you go to Clark on Saturday. And uh, we'll just see what else happens through the rest of the regular season. Yeah. Um, Shout out to sentiment with you, of course. I'm going to have a whole lot to say in a second. Um, first and foremost, um, I was with Reinhardt for seven years. John called me one day and asked if, uh, if I wanted to do color for Reinhardt. This was back in, I believe, 2016. Um, so it was uh, a great experience to see some NAIA football. Uh, they're my first college football call. So, you know, I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, shout out to James Miller and his staff. Um, of course, the, the one of the things that I remember and I'll never forget was uh, the trip that John and I took last season to Bluefield, West Virginia for the Bluefield game. And, us, um, and, and John taking a walk from Virginia to West Virginia saying, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to Virginia real quick. So I remember that, but that's how close that's we were on the line on the Virginia West Virginia state line when we were doing that game. But you know, John mentioned there was some highlights and there was some lowlights, and there was some lowlights um, during that trip. Uh, but the highlight, and I don't want to even get into the lowlights because I'm about to get into the lowlights in a second. But um, the highlight of that trip was to get to know the players and the coaches a lot more. That's what I. Um, that's what I enjoyed about Reinhardt. You know, some of those players were looking at me like, who is this guy on the bus, right? So uh, John rode on the defensive bus. I rode on the offense with the offense. And I got to know those guys. And those guys were just such great guys. They welcomed me um, with open arms. Got to talk to a few of them. And it was just a great experience on that note. Now let's get into what I don't agree with, Okay. Um, of course, we understand this business, right, John? It we is. It is a business, and <laughs> and you're going to get fired for different reasons. Some for some in your control, some out of your control. Exactly. So the thing is that I'm not salty about the fact that you know we lost the gig for Reinhardt. They wanted to go in a different direction. They have every right to do that, just like any other job has the right to do that. Coaches, you see coaches get out of here every single time. Um, and, and there's coaches who might have winning records, but there's some things that, you know, you and upper management might not agree with, right? So we understand that part. What I don't understand and, and what I'm not happy with is how it happened. Um, you call, you know, John sends an email Monday, and the, the email he gets back is, hey, give me a call. And then two days before Reinhardt Faulkner, we're all getting ready for it. It's basically, hey, we went a different direction. 
and John doesn't even get a thank you for it. Uh, that's where I draw the line because you can tell me I'm fired all day long. That's fine. But if my services wasn't that good to you, then what was the point? And in this business, and, and shout out to Gabe, man, because he sounds great, okay, on that broadcast. I'm not taking anything away from him. But for a guy to sound that good on the broadcast, he had to know he was coming in months before. And it would have been okay for for Reinhardt and the powers that be or the board of directors or whoever the hell they are. It would have been okay for them to call you, John, and say, hey, um, we're thinking about going this direction instead of saying, hey, man, we know we got this broadcast deal coming up, but you're safe. Because that's not true. And you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. But that wasn't true. You could have just went down the line. What people hate in this world, and I hate to use the word hate, but what people hate in this world is when people are in your face telling you a blatant lie. Okay? That's what they hate in this world. Come out and tell me the truth. Hey, man, my job might be on the line. All right, cool. All right, just let me know. But keep me informed. That's all we ask for. Keep us informed. Keep John informed. Especially for John, man, because you've been doing this, you've been with them for 10 years, man. You helped start that program, watch that program build up. You watch the Chronics do what they do. And you saw James Miller come in and become the winning coach at Ryan Hart, you know? And go on the road and, and those places that you told me you had to go to, you know, it's just the, the gruesome road trips and stuff that you had, you had to go through that. And for you to not even get a phone call, that's what I don't care for. But, again, that's my frustration, and that's how I feel about it. Um, again, grateful for the opportunity. And, and I give, actually, I give credit to John for that. Because, John, you didn't have to call me. And then when we got Leon involved, we didn't have to put Leon in the mix. But we did. Leon wanted to give this a shot, and he did. This was an ample opportunity for him to do it. And he knocked it out the ballpark. And so that's why I am with it. Again, Reinhardt, you know, it was, it was great working with you. I wish you all the best. But board of directors or whoever you are, I don't like how you did that. Okay, now before Leon starts, I just have to warn him. I have my finger on the seven-second delay. So, um, as soon as he goes, you know, the finger's ready there. So. <laughs> it's all good. You know, um, I definitely appreciate Reinhardt for, you know, having me. I never thought in a million years that, you know, I would actually be in that position to be calling a college football game. I mean, it was a very surreal experience. Um, I like to, I like to appreciate you two for, for going off and, putting in the work, you know, to get to the point where, you know, you guys can actually help me out and give me some experience on that. You know, um, I remember one time when, I remember when, when um, my, my first road trip, I actually did, I actually caught a game with, with just you two separately, you know, when um, I felt like when, when Daniel and I did the Faulkner game and we were actually like in a professional booth, you know, um, 
free food. <laughs> Great. Right. Yeah, we have, you know, and, um, you know, we, we call it a good game. And when John and I went out, we went, what was the game that John and I, we went, we went deep in Alabama? That was the Faulkner game. Yeah, that was another Faulkner game. Yeah. Yeah, because when you two did it, you were at the Camellia Bowl in downtown Montgomery. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in the place was, I mean, this was like a real, I felt like, I kind of like felt like how, how Rudy's dad felt like when he seen Notre Dame. Like, the, at the, to be able to call a game, to actually call a game in that type of facility. And, you know, when we went off and did the Kennesaw game for, you know what I'm saying, for ESPN, we had commercial breaks and all that. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very interesting experience. You know, and though Reinhardt lost that game, they actually showed a lot of promise in that game to be able to compete against a program like Long Beach. Um, not, they, no, they, they played against Kennesaw, but I think the, the, the quarterback from uh, Kennesaw that year he came from Long Beach, I believe. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I was, I don't appreciate the fact of being notified that that we've been fired 48 hours within. You know, before the game started, I'm because you know, you had sent me the notes and everything like that. I'm going over the notes. I want to be sure to be comfortable enough in there. Yeah, because we were we were getting our boards together. We had already gotten the uh, rosters from Faulkner. Yeah. Yeah. So we were we were getting those those numbers together, associating the numbers with the players, associating the stats, looking over who's an underclassman, who's an upperclassman, who's a leading receiver. You know, we were we were getting our stuff together for the game, and all of a sudden, just that suddenly. You know, it's just suddenly extra work, or you know, not not important anymore. Yeah, they from usually when decisions like that are made abruptly. I mean, it had to have been a budgeted concern. It, it, it had to have been a budgeted concern. Like whoever they gave the job to, like you said, they gave the game. He must be doing it for less money. Well, I'll say this. I, I, I told John this on Friday, Leon, and, and I see what you're saying. Uh, there had to be maybe one or two reasons why this happened. Um, one, um, maybe they wanted to go a different direction. They probably wanted to get students involved, uh, which clearly was not the case. They didn't want to get students involved. But that, they just, <laughs> their brother who was speaking was not a student. He was a seasoned veteran. Um and, and probably, you know, just get more of the students involved so that you wouldn't have to pay for the college. Or you probably saw a deal coming with the local cable companies and said, oh, you know what, let's kind of get this going like now. And that's, you know, one of the other two reasons that I was thinking about. And you know what, I must say this because I told John this the other day. Um, the long road trip that John and I were going to do, we don't count points. Yeah, we don't count that points. The, yeah, we don't count that, but the long, the long, long road trip that we were going to do was at St. Andrews. And, you know, I was so excited that I was about to get ready to Friday. I was about to get ready to purchase my hotel for that game, you know? And so... Again, while I am a little bit upset about how it went through, I'm glad that we didn't get that notification on Friday or Saturday. You know, that's the one thing I can say. If we got that, if we would have gotten that, I, yeah, it, it would have intensified uh, this rant 
Okay. Well, again, we wish Reinhardt the best of luck. Um, but again, life life goes on just the same. And right now it's going on with college football. Week one, college football taking the whole weekend as they have it to themselves. Uh, let's see what happened. Georgia beat up on Tennessee on Tennessee Martin. No, no, no surprise there. <coughs> Excuse me. Georgia State knocks off Rhode Island. However, Georgia Tech loses to Louisville as the Cardinals come from behind uh, and get the W in that particular game. So, guys, what has uh, what has jumped out at you for week one of college football? That is easy. Um, <laughs> you, you already know where we're going with this. Y- y'all say, first off, oh, yes. Vegas for, for, uh, for thinking that Colorado has the same players from last year on that team. Okay, the 20 point underdog series. 21. 21. 21, excuse me. Three touchdown underdogs. And yet, Shador Sanders, who people just thought because of the fact that he's from an HBCU, he can't play. The brother can play. 510 yards passing. Well, you say, the, you say they have the, play, the players were there. You're talking about Sanders. Travis Hunter wasn't there. Travis Hunter wasn't there, but he was probably arguably the best player on the field. And he played both ways. He played both ways, gets a couple of touchdowns. Yep, and got an interception. Yeah. Uh, probably, probably the play of the year, even, and we just in week two. Yeah. That interception was unbelievable. Shout out to Deion Sanders, man, for, a, for those players to go in and believe. They believe. They they probably looked at that and said, hey, y'all, we're 21-point underdogs. Go in there and show them. Yeah, this is the same TCU team that was in the national title game last year and got thumped by Georgia. Yeah, that's fine. Give them 17-point ranking. But they lost a lot of stars from last year's team. Okay? Meanwhile, Colorado has 86 new players on their roster. Deion said it when he came in. I am going to revamp this roster, and I'm bringing some luggage with me, okay? <laughs> this ain't the same thing. And you got to give them credit for that. He is now put a mark. By the way, four guys over 100 yards a season, including that freshman running back who showed out, okay? Listen, I know it's just game one, but just by looking at that defense, he's going to tighten up a little bit. They gave up some big key plays, but that's okay. I think they'll fix that. Of course, you know, you're not going to have a perfect game and, and you give up 38 points, right? Uh, or 42, I believe they gave up. But, listen, that that team is serious. Colorado means business. And, and Leon, they're playing your boys next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, sports and news. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm yeah, watching. Right, right. But I tell you what. Colorado and Deion Sanders, my man Prime, they are putting teams on notice. And I get it. They got Oregon and they've got USC back-to-back weeks. But they can easily start that start with Oregon 3-0. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, 
based on the performance that I've seen yesterday, I'm con- I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay, for my team, Nebraska. I'm concerned for Nebraska because though Colorado did give up 42 points, so they're kind of shaky on defense. They need to tighten up. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I seen um, Shiloh Sanders miss a very key tackle yesterday that went uh, against um, one of TCU's wide receivers. Or what? Or was it wide receiver? Was it, it, was, it was a very long? It was a very long run that the running back might have had from the two yard line. Mm-hmm. Well, it might have been a wide. Okay, I'm getting. It, it was a lot of big plays yesterday. But they need to tighten some things up on defense. But their offense is firing on all cylinders. I, for I mean, that day couldn't have went any better for Shador Sanders. Man, your first FBS game coming from an HBCU. Yep. He said he never threw for that many yards in his life. In his life. And this is the thing: it wasn't just to one primary receiver. Nope. Everybody ate. We're talking what? Four different receivers, a hundred yards. Yeah. With no picks. They no only picks. had six penalties in that game too. Yeah, they these guys. Go, go ahead, Dan. Uh, they only had six penalties in that game. Go ahead. Yeah, well disciplined. Very, very well disciplined. Like I said they need to tighten up some things on defense. You know, because you're just not going to win in every shootout. So if they could, if, especially. You know, with the type of division they're playing in, you know, you got Oregon coming up, but they need to establish as much momentum as possible. Um, great win for Colorado. Just the thing that that was that was that was the biggest game. That was the biggest game of the weekend. Alabama played nobody. Georgia didn't really play anybody. Georgia Tech took a bit of a bad loss, but that Colorado. So, do we think that? You think you think they're gonna be ranked coming up next next week? Is they gonna rank them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think they'll put them at probably like twenty two or twenty three. Um, just depends on the top twenty five and what they look like because I mean we've seen in the past what the posters look at. They look at style too, and like in the case of Ohio State, for example, who didn't look good against Indiana on the road at Indiana they scored 23 points and right now they have a quarterback situation that they're trying to figure out uh, Kyle McCoy was their starting quarterback and because of that and because I think they were favored by 30 plus and they covered by a wide march uh, in Indiana and they only scored three points their defense Ohio State defense is going to be fine but it's the offense um, that was a question mark. Uh, Michigan, they look, they look good in their opener. Georgia, they look great in their opener. They were supposed to, right? Alabama was supposed to look good in their opener. The 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 problem and the question with Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama is their quarterback. Uh, are we really going with the guys that we have? Georgia has a great problem at quarterback. I don't even know why that that was even a concern. The only thing was that. Who's going to take over for Stetson Bennett? Right. You know, so that was the only question um, that they have. But Colorado, because of the fact that they were underdogs, I think they get in the top 25. If they win Nebraska next week in a in very convincing fashion, that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows. 
But I mean, last this 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 weekend raised my eyebrows. That was very impressive. Yeah, especially for a team to who have went one in eleven last year. Yep. I mean, the headlines were already pouring in about how Deion Sanders may or may not know what he's really doing on on, on a D one level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of a uh, nepotism going on as far as placing his son at the head of a program like that. And though, you know, Colorado did go one in 11 last year, this is an FBS school against FBS opponents. It's not the FCS. Right. And for him to perform in such a way, and then for Travis Hunter, we're, we're talking potential Heisman candidate here. Coming from HBCU, which the talent on HBCU level is not really regarded as being the best. Wow. So, I'm concerned for my team on that next week. I, I and, and on top of that, they did this on the road. Yeah. At the Against end of the day, who was in the national title game last year. Oh man. I mean, a movie could be written about this. This is going to be a very memorable if they. If Colorado, like I said, I don't want to speak too soon because, and I don't want to take away from Colorado's win, you know. But is TCU really that bad? Well, they got they got beat up in that game against Georgia. Uh, it just seemed like they didn't belong, and maybe they're just going off the uh, off the letdown from that game. I mean, they did put up forty two points, so they put up a heck of a um, they put up a heck of a fight, but. Um, TCU's coaching staff is on notice right now. Please believe that the, um, you know, the alumni, the boosters, they were not too happy for something like that to happen on national television like that. Yeah, on a big time stage like that. As yes. Well. Yeah. That that that's that's not a good look at all whatsoever. That's bad for the morale of the team. Um, if if Colorado can win, can somehow win against Nebraska next. Next game at home, and they go up two. They go up two zero. And what do they play? Where they play Oregon week week four? Week four. They get Colorado State at home in week three. Yep. Yeah, they, yeah, they could easily be three and zero. Yes. And oh wow, they could go to a they could they, shoot. If they put up a real good showing against Oregon and possibly even beat Oregon, let's get possibly it could possibly happen like that. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know. Those are the two toughest tests that I think you would honestly say is Oregon and then USC. If they can get through those games, you look at Colorado's schedule, really no one else that could. Well, with the exception of Utah on the last game of the year. Do they play Utah? Yeah. Yeah, it's at the it's the last regular season game. Exactly. By then they have picked up so much momentum potential. We're talking major bowl game in Deion Sanders' first year at coach. Yep. That means that whatever money they paid him at thirty-five million, he would have made they 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 would they, they, they made their money back. Well, they need it, yeah, because because they looked at you looked at the money and or they said pretty much, hey, we don't have this money yet. We're banking on Dion to uh, basically pay for himself in terms of increased revenues, and based on this first game, it's working. But if they can go to Nebraska, I'm sorry, Nebraska goes to them. They play home with Nebraska. And that again, that Fox game, if they beat that, and then you got those games of which I'm sorry with Oregon 
and USC back to back. Yeah, it will definitely pay. It will definitely help pay pay for his own meal ticket. And the good news about those two games, guys, is that they're the twenty third and the thirtieth, so they get it out the way in September. But the the bad part could be what if US what if they win those games and then USC and Oregon uh, falters at the at the stretch run, then it's going to be put against them because it was a win in September. So they would they have to keep hoping that Oregon because Oregon and USC are probably going to play each other anyway. So they have to hope that one of those two teams just end up with that one loss. And then plus you're going to have the Pac-12 championship, the, the very last Pac-12 championship, what it is. <laughs> but they also got Oregon State in there at Utah, like John mentioned. Oregon State is November the 4th. I don't think the stage is, is, is small. I don't think the stage is big enough. Colorado, they they believe, and, and that's what separates Deion Sanders from a lot of coaches. He has taught, he got his team believing, right? Top of the world, and that's what matters, and that's why he is such an incredible coach. And for a mild digression, just a mild digression, and I don't want to give our competition too much, you know, too much shine on the show. But think about the events that just transpired this weekend. And Shannon Sharp will be debuting with Stephen A. Smith tomorrow morning. And you know this right here will be the headline. With I mean, if Colorado is successful, has a successful this has a successful year this year, that could be the story of football this year, Colorado University. Yes. They, they, they will go from being one in eleven to be to being the darling of sports mm-hmm. for 2023. Spearheaded by Deion Sanders. That is interesting. And, and you know, I, I had a lot to say about him going to Colorado last year. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know. But I don't wish I, I I don't wish him not the best. So I, I wish this man the best. You know I didn't like the move, but you know at the same time I didn't know all the facts and details and the circumstances that went into his decision. Right. Right. You know just coming from the outside looking in. But with. Him wanting his son to go to the NFL and the NFL having a strong relationship with FBS schools, he had to do the best thing for himself and literally his family because he could very well land both his sons in the NFL. Yeah, because Shador, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Shiloh played well. Yeah, he was, he was over. He was all over the field. Yeah, he missed that that tackle. That tackle, was, but he was all over the field, man. He made some plays and he can hit. He can hit yeah. somebody. Listen. If you're Shiloh Sanders and you're donning that number, number 21, mm-hmm. which your daddy made the best, the best number, he it, it ain't even close. He is the greatest number 21 ever. Okay, uh, out of any sport, I can challenge any anybody on that one. Out of any sport, he's the best 21 I've ever seen. So you donning that number, yeah, you you gotta go out there, and you gotta represent. So, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a definitely to be 
Man, I know it's going to, I mean, Colorado right now, their, their, their camp has to be turned up. I mean, it, it was a, that, that was a great hire. Yes. No, that was, that was a great hire. But, you know, we're going, we're, we're, we're going to see where this goes. Well, it's going with the demise of the Pac-12 as two more schools jump ship. Stanford and Colorado join SMU in going to the ACC. So the Atlantic Coast Conference now has teams on the Pacific Coast. And again, someone on Twitter, I forget who it was, had probably the best reaction to it, saying, hey, instead of calling it the Pac-2, we need to call it the two-pack. So the Pac, again, the Pac-12 is pretty much with your last rights right now. It's this con- this conference, storied, incredible conference, um, but it's it's let's be honest, it's dead. It is a zombie right now. It's going through the motions. It's shuffling. It's shambling, and you can tra- and you can um, trace it to earlier last year when ESPN presented. $30 billion to the Pac-12 to try and get their broadcast rights. And the Pac-12 turned them down, saying, okay, we can get more. But they didn't get more. And suddenly, the teams that led the uh, the ship, which is UCLA and USC, they got worried. So they decided to hook in with the Big 12, where they could get more than that $30 billion that the Pac-12 wanted. So in essence, the Pac-12 thought that more was going to come in. It never did. The conference got worried, and then that's when everybody that's when everybody broke it apart. So now you got Washington State and Oregon State. They're the only two left. So the last team to leave the Pac-12 please from the whiteout. So what these guys are going to have to do something. Um, they're prob- and it's so much where let's be honest, the Pac-12 will not exist next season. Because why should 10, 10 schools move into a conference and instead you just, got two, you just got the two orphans going in other ways? So this whole year is the death knell of the Pac-12. And Daniel and I were discussing this a little bit on Friday. And you know, some of the solutions we said is, okay, maybe, all right, yes, it makes no sense for some of your sports like men's basketball, women's basketball, where the travel is just absolutely going to get you. So, okay, move for football, but leave the other sports alone. But that's not really an option simply because TV is in charge. TV is TV's in charge and football's in charge. And you just have to follow along with that train. So, if and we've made our decision, we made our opinions on this crystal clear on this show. Um, it is getting top heavy. There's no way this thing is going to last under its own weight. Um, but it keeps happening. It keeps moving. So again, the PAC 12, it's, it's on its, it's on its last legs. It is a dead conference. It is going away and a lot is a lot of it's going with it. And I think for Oregon State, Washington State, the Mountain West is probably where they're going to wind up. So you got this Oregon State, San Jose State game that's going on, and it's Oregon State 42, San Jose State 10, two minutes to go. Uh, that is going to be a preview of next season, really. It it is. I don't see. I don't know what else these two teams are going to do. 
unless they decide to play each other ten times. I mean, I I just don't know. I just don't see uh, a resolution to this conflict other than those two are just going to have to go into the Mountain West and the Pac-12, as we know it, will be dead. Yeah, this right here is a prime example of when the dollar transcends tradition. Mm-hmm. At the, you know, th- this is completely ridiculous. I mean, I've never, that, that means that the, the, like, one of the, I think one of the staples of the Pac-12, we used to be the Pac-10 at one point in time. Right. What's the Rose Bowl? Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about almost nearly a hundred years, of, a whole century worth of tradition. Yeah, the Rose Bowl, it, well, the Rose Bowl needs to be modernized incredibly. Um, it's basically, it's, I mean, yeah, yeah, as you're right, it's Keith Jackson and the Rose Bowl. Uh, that's one of the enduring traditions of college football. And now, as you said, Leon, it's gone. Um, UCLA will still play out of the Rose Bowl, but in terms of an actual meaningful um, bowl game, yeah, it's gone. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly, Leon. What would you do with the Rose Bowl? I mean, usually it's the Pac-12 winner against the Big 12 winner. Are you going to tell me that the Mountain West winner will now play in the Rose Bowl? Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, right. Or, or the WAC winner. Yeah. Right, if if there's a whack conference, but you know that that makes so much sense, and that's the easier question to ask. For. I didn't even think about that. Um, and really, the only two conferences that I would see that would make sense. Well, you know what? None of this makes sense. So Oregon State might as well just go to the SEC, and and Washington State uh, just become an independent school. Okay? Yeah. Just, in, in that sense, <clears throat> but they're gonna have to find somewhere to go in terms of basketball. So they'll eventually have to fall into some somebody's lead. They'll probably fall into the whack then. Okay, but yeah, listen. And and we've heard a lot of mixed reviews about this. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, man, this might work." Um, but I look at it in a geographical sense. I'm thinking more so about these college kids because. What we tend to forget and what the NCAA has forgotten, the word student-athlete. Student-athlete. Notice the word student comes first. But because of the way that the the transfer portal is going and NIL and all of that, it's really, they need to change it to an athletic student. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they really need to change it to. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just not with it. And so they, they have the alignment tracker here. Um, I have it in front of me. Um, you got teams like Arizona and Arizona State going to the Big 12 um, next year. Utah will be in the Big 12 as well. Colorado is going back to the Big 12. They were in the Big 12 initially. That league will become a 16-team league. So, so are they going to name it the Big 16? I know what they're going to name it, the Big 12 plus 4? Like what it is. Well, we still have the Big 10, you know, so, and that's that's going to be 18 teams. That's an 18-team league. So, we've got, right now, we've got three, we've got two, two leagues with 16, one with 18, and 
simply because the Pac-12 just got cannibalized. I was just, 2023. I wonder how, how long did they actually think about this before they did it? Like, man, just heck, let's, let's just make it happen. Because we're, the way this thing is going, we're going to be seeing, like, it's, what, it's going to be like, what, just four, what, four major, four to five, four major FBS conferences pretty soon? Well, there's. Real quick. But the thing is, is that the AAC and the MAC and, and all of those teams and the Mountain West and the Sun Belt, they're going to all have to be recognized as something, yes. right? You know, that with, with the Pac-12, and it's only because the Pac-12 is non-existent anymore, because now, now you have a big four, okay? Um, but good. One good thing out of this is that Kennesaw State is moving up to Division One, and, they and they're in the, um, they'll be in the Conference USA yeah. next year. So that's a good thing out of this. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, like, for example, with the ACC, this is so Clemson isn't really hitting on anything right about the minute. So really, in the ACC, it's up to Florida State to make to have a tremendous showing this year. So in football, no, yeah, it is. Yeah, and mind you, Florida State's not happy about the realignment. No, I, I don't. They were one of three schools that did not want for Stanford and Cal to join. And Clemson was the other one. I can't remember who the third one was. I it think was, it was NC State, but I. Uh, you might be right. No, I think it was NC State, but I think some they leaned on, they leaned on the uh, whoever was voting and got to get the vote. But yeah, Clemson, Clemson and Florida State, they're not happy. Uh, but again, where would they go? Would they go to Conference USA? Would they go to the SEC? I mean, where where would they go? John, it doesn't make sense anymore. Oh, they it's, can go anywhere. It, it hasn't made sense in years. Yeah. It hasn't made sense in years. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense geographically. If you're thinking about it geographically, maybe they need to still go to the SEC so that they don't lose that South Carolina rivalry and then Florida and Florida right. State don't lose that rivalry. It'll be a direct conference rivalry. Right. College, college sports, not dollars. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like I guess college, college NCAA has never been a huge happen, so have, has it. Nope, not really. Uh-huh. You know, so. I'm just looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. And, and then next year, of course, now what I'm looking forward to next year is the 12-team playoff. Because all of these times, because the Pac-12 has dissolved, now – and now thinking about it, guys, maybe that was their plan the whole time. Well, let's see which one of these conferences are the weaker conference. Because if you look at the structure of the 12-team format, there's only, remember, it's only four now power conferences. Right. The top four teams get a bye. Yep. So that means that the ACC, the SEC, Big Ten and the Big Twelve winners will get a probably get a buy in that first round, and then it'll make the committee select the other at-large teams to play five, twelve, six, eleven, seven, ten, and eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Mm. That could possibly make sense. 
but it wouldn't make sense if number if the number eight ranked team in the country is Ohio State and they win the Big Ten and now you bump them up to four. Yeah, okay. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because they they could be a two loss team, but then you may have one loss Alabama who only lost whose only loss came in the SEC championship game. Now they're relegated to a six. But in college basketball, conference championships doesn't hold weight like college football does. Because you can you can be a, a great team all season long, lose in the second round. You could be Kansas and was ranked number one all season. You get to your conference tournament and you get upset by Texas Tech in the second round. Yet the committee says uh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't matter. They 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 win the conference. Oh. They they we still think they're among the, the four best teams, but we're gonna put them as a one seed. And yeah. sometimes they can be put as the number one overall seed. Yeah. So ideally, it seems to me that they want they, 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 that they want three teams for each conference to be represented in the co- in, a, in the college um, football playoff. Yep. Ideally, it, it, it may not work out that way. Well, they're well, they're going to have to have a group of five teams go. So, like a Tulane or a UTSA, one of those guys will be selected. So it's really eleven teams, but that twelfth team has to be a Tulane or. Uh, or Georgia State, even if they somehow pull something out of the miracle, but they have to be the highest ranked team to get into that playoff. Yeah. Which will be good because, like I said, Georgia, Georgia State always gets like a, a unfair shape when it comes to the playoffs on the national level, especially in basketball. So, you know, because Georgia State could have a great season like they did a couple years ago and still only two. Yep. Yeah. So that last that was last year they won the conference tournament with a 16 seed, right? No, so last I, I, year, last no, no. Remember last year for Georgia State, they won, they didn't win away from home. Yeah, that was two years ago. Two years, you're thinking oh, two, you're thinking two years ago. Yeah, they played them back. Yep, and they had a great season and still only got the fourth and got had a great season. Yep, and because you know the the committee didn't respect their level of competition, gave them like the I think the 14 seed, and you know they that that. That'd be correct, but yeah. In football, if they can have a great season, they could somehow, you know, with twelve teams, anything is possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they gave them. They gave them a fourteen a couple of years ago. We were like, oh man, they should have been a twelve. Yeah. And yeah. They gave them a sixteen uh, a few years back, and you know, everybody was anticipating. Everybody it was much anticipation. Okay, but man, let's see where Georgia State goes. And they didn't go. So, as, as Greg Gumbel came on TV, he announced the first draw, and it was Gonzaga against Georgia State. <laughs> he was like, wow. <laughs> like, oh, that didn't take long. It was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked with Ben last week about what Georgia State needs to do. How Jonas Hayes has got his has got his players in, and hopefully they'll be a little bit better. Than yes, than last season, where again they did not win a game outside of the Convocation Center. Um, they had, and they they have to change that if they even want to think about getting back to the tournament this season. And again, Georgia State football they had a probably a down year as well, four and eight. But again, that win over URI showcased Darren Granger. So hopefully that is a good sign for the Panthers. They host Connecticut to, 
next week, next Saturday, as uh, Panthers try to go 2-0 and and give themselves a leg up on getting those six wins that they need for at least get in the position for a bowl berth. Again, you need six. They're at one. They'll go for number two next week. And speaking of next week, Thursday night, it's the start of the NFL season, and it's Detroit and Kansas City. Um, we talked about this preseason to death. I don't think there's really anything new we can we can say. Falcons are going to be hosting Carolina. Uh, Falcons have a very good, um, easy schedule at their first two games. Carolina and Green Bay at home in Mercedes-Benz. Both teams uh, display new quarterbacks in terms of longest stint with the one club, though that belongs to, at least in the NFC South, Desmond Ritter. Uh, Young, Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback. Carolina, David Carr in New Orleans. Baker Mayfield has held off Kyle Trask. He'll be the starter in Tampa Bay, but in terms of one cl- uh, with the with that same club, it's Ritter who four and zero. I mean, four games in the last season that was enough to give him the victory. Uh, like I said, the Falcons need to go two and zero these first two games. If not, then it's going to be hard for them to try and make anything uh, happen in this in the two thousand twenty three season. And two and zero would be great for for Ritter's confidence. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's, it's so yeah, that's very necessary on 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 different levels. Yeah, it would. Um, man, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, because especially if you jump out of the gate, if you're Atlanta, you jump out of the gate with Carolina. Uh, and here's my thing. Um, of course, we haven't given predictions, but uh, if I was to give a prediction on who would win that division, I, I think it would be close. I think nine wins would you would need in that division. I think it's going to be a competitive, but it's going to be a low win prediction. You don't need ten wins to win that prediction. You need nine. Right. I think both Atlanta and Carolina will finish with nine wins this year. I think they go nine and eight. But I think Carolina will win, uh, will go four and two in the division, and I think Atlanta will go three and three. Atlanta will split with all three teams, but what would separate Carolina from Atlanta is that they beat Tampa twice. Okay. So I think they go four and two. I think Carolina wins the division, but I also think Atlanta will get that final wild card and get in the playoffs. Wow, you get no respect to Baker Mayfield, are you? No, uh, it's not just Baker Mayfield, it's that team. Yeah. Tampa, outside of Mike Evans, who else do you have on that team? They don't have a running game. Uh, they were dead last in the league last year in Russia. Um, Their defense has been depleted. They really don't have anybody there. So I, I'm just not a believer in Tampa um, to repeat. And look, 12 is not there either. Yeah. And 12 was really getting them by. And even though he didn't play all that well in his final season, they it just didn't look well. They were the they were the best team in the in in a god awful division. Basically, somebody had to win a division. <laughs> it in a division that only took five games to win. Okay, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. But I thought Carolina might be a little better. I thought Carolina would. I thought Carolina should have won the division last season. Um, they had a great running attack or whatnot. Uh, New Orleans, listen. 
I'm I'm gonna be straight up subjective for a minute. Okay, I, I'm not gonna you know I'm gonna put my hate aside for the Saints. With Derek Carr, yeah, they could they could win it all, but that's all gonna depend on Mike Thomas, uh, how healthy he's gonna be. They've got some really good receivers down there in New Orleans. Um, the offensive line might be a question: Are they gonna be able to protect Derek Carr? Um, what is the defense going to be like? You know, the Saints have always had a great defense. What is their defense going to be like? And so, to me, the Saints, I think they win eight games. Because I think they're going to, I think there's going to be some loopholes in there. The Saints, the problem is the same problem with the Falcons, closing games. And that's going to haunt them this year. All right, I got one for you. Which quarterback in NFC South is more likely to get benched by week eight? <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we already said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Trask is waiting in the wings. In fact, he'll probably be starting from week four. Oh, damn. Yeah, Kyle Trask is there. He's a, And remember, he's a, he's a Florida guy. And there are Gator fans all over that place. So they're going to want it. They're going to – and Florida might not be good on the field this season. I mean, they went up to Utah on Thursday night and just got just got beat up. So those Tampa Bay fans, their closet Florida fans, they're going to want to see Kyle Trask. And if Baker Mayfield stumbles, which he will, because, you know, that's who he is now, they're going to want to see Kyle Trask come on. Uh, Daniel, get back to your Carolina point. Uh, I'm not as rosy on the Panthers simply because – they lost Christian McCaffrey. They lost DJ Moore. I just don't see who Bryce Young is going to be able to get the ball to. Is this going to be an offense that's going to find its way through the first couple of games? And I think as they find their way, uh, they might just dig dig themselves a hole because they have division opponents their first two weeks. I think after they play Atlanta, they play Tampa. They play Tampa. So you know, if and admittedly, yes, it is Tampa. But I'm just wondering about how this team is going to gel coming out of the gate as we start the season. That's a fair assessment. I, I, I can't I can't disagree with that. Also, um, you lose DJ Moore uh, to uh, in in the trade to actually get right now. Yeah. But you lose DJ Moore. He's, he's Chicago. Receiving core. He goes to Chicago. So yeah, the question would be who are who will Bryce Young throw to, right? So, you know, that that's going to be a, a, a good thing to see. He does have Adam Thielen on the team. So, Adam Thielen is a guy. But the question is, is he a number one guy? Mm-hmm. Thielen has always had either Justin Jefferson or Stephon Diggs. So, is he really a true one? Um, hopefully, he hasn't lost the step. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think Bryce is in good hands with, 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 with Adam Thielen to throw it to. You know, this is – I don't think Carolina has really high expectations this year. I mean, if it works out, it works out. Doesn't, doesn't. They just want to see they have right now. You know, yeah. this is reminiscent of, you know, when Cam Newton was drafted back in 2011. He didn't really have anybody throw it to either. I mean, they got rid of Steve Smith. I didn't really understand nor agree with that move at all. But they did it. So, you know, but he showed poise. You know, they didn't have too hot of a year, but Cam Newton showed a lot of promise and, you know, translated into a Super Bowl appearance within five, within 
five seats. Right. Um, I think Bryson has that type of upside. So that, that's why I pick him. That's why I pick him to win the division. Wow. I don't know. You think they're gonna get? You, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be a close division again. It's gonna be a close division. Um, what's probably gonna trip up Atlanta is that they split with each team in the division versus uh, Carolina. I think that they're better than Tampa. Uh, across the board, I think everybody's better than Tampa, but uh, sometimes you play down to your competition a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I just think that Carolina, along with Bryce Young, I think they I think they get it done. I think they get it. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Really, I would. The only surprise in the NFC South that I would, there's two surprises. Mm-hmm. One, that Atlanta wins 13 games. And two, that Tampa somehow comes out of comes out of this, and Baker Mayfield is the divisional winner, and they win 10, 11 games this year. Those are the only two surprises I would have in there. When you look at the roster, though, you can say you you can have an argument that it's between the Saints and the Falcons that the, those two teams have a they're probably the, the most talented roster in that division. Okay. And Saints fans, don't get a hold of yourself. Okay, I'm I'm being a little subjective here. All right, I, I really hope y'all go three and uh, three and fourteen this year. Okay. <laughs> you 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 know, you, were, you were objective for about three minutes. Yeah. I was. <laughs> yes. All right, we're just wrapping it up here. Unless we guys do a broadcast uh, broadcast, so very quickly, Pace Academy on. Friday night lost a heartbreaker to Greater Atlanta Christian 17-14. The Knights had a chance to win a great deep ball from Maddox Crawford found Cooper Williams. He caught it backpedaling, could not stay upright, fell down at the two, and Pace could not break it into the end zone. A great defensive stand for GAC, and they get out of there with a 17-14 victory. However, if you're a Pace Academy fan, you got to love the fact that your defense held the, held the Spartans to about half of their point totals. This is a team that had averaged no less than 35 points in their first two games. You, you hold them to half of that, and that is a good sign going forward. However, in, and again, that goal line stand, it was just Christian Johnson four times you got to try to do something to spread people out. you got to diversify it. However, uh, and I know Daniel's going to agree with me on this, Maddox Crawford balled out in that one. That was a terrific deep ball that he threw to Cooper Williams. And I am never going to uh, to either make fun of his arm or discount it again because, man, that was a great shot. And it was just a shame that Cooper lost his balance, couldn't turn, couldn't turn around to get into the end zone for that potential go-ahead score. Yeah, uh, listen, Matt Crawford, I got a chance to talk to him and his father after the game. Of course, his father was the one who came up to us, John, and uh, said that it was a catch. Yes, because Cooper had a catch. Cooper had a ca- yeah. Cooper had a catch in the end zone, second quarter, but it was uh, the officials ruled that he wasn't in there. Um, we didn't have cameras, so we couldn't look. We couldn't tell for us for ourselves whether or not the officials made the right call or not. Um, but that again would have been a game-winning score, also. So. And so when I went, well, his, his mother actually showed me the clip, and she had it up close. It was a catch, and the referees missed it. They, oh. they, they did 
Um, but that's that's why. Listen, refs, umpires, whatnot, live and game time. That speed is just it, it's hard to make a judgment call like that. You have to go with your instinct, right? And but a lot of people are probably against instant replay. But in this instance, yeah, you probably do need. But um, you know, to take away from that, listen. We were down 17 nothing at one point um, with about maybe five and some change to go in the third quarter. And Maddox Crawford took that team down the field. Uh, of course, uh, he goes into the end zone with a tough touchdown run. And then you start to see the momentum come up for pace a little bit. Then in the fourth quarter, you got the big throw to Cooper Williams, which is a 55-yard throw. And it was – I told uh, Maddox when I met him, I also met Terrence. But I, I told Maddox, uh, that was the best throw. I've been calling your game since 2021. Dude, that was the best throw I've ever seen you make. And he was like, man, appreciate it, sir. Appreciate it, appreciate it. And of course, he loves everything that we do for those guys or whatnot. But, yeah, Christian Johnson, you know, I know Coach Nick Box tried to get them in the end zone. Uh, tried to get him in the end zone four straight times, man. But at that time, I'm looking either pitch it, you do a fake pitch to Crawford, or you go to kill. And you line him up in that Wildcat. They cannot stop the Wildcat. Every time. And Keel did score off that Wildcat. That was the second touchdown early in the fourth. Yeah, that was the second touchdown early in the quarter. So you're trying to go to Christian. You're trying to get him that touchdown. I don't think that that was the time to get that to him. I think that it should have went another direction. Or even on the third and goal situation, you roll out and let Crawford make a play with either his arms or his legs. That's that's the time to do it. Um, they had Johnson bottled up uh, in the really they had him bottled up in the game. He had four, he had a pretty decent game. He had fourteen carries for sixty seven yards. He broke out that twenty one yard run uh, in the game, but still you you have to go in a different direction. Four straight plays and then you do a toss pitch to to Johnson. That's not his forte. The toss pitch is not his forte. It's running it straight up the gut, and they realize that he didn't get it, and so there you have it there. But listen, the good news is that was not a reason. Right. And also, yeah, the last the last non-region game, you you kept him off the scoreboard in the second half. Uh, a lot of good comes out of this, and we'll see how. Pace Academy does next week in their region opener, a huge one for the region opener at Lovett, a Lovett team that has not been playing well in their first two games, both decisive losses to Westminster and Greater Atlantic Christian. So we'll see what they can do against Pace Academy. That is from Lovett. It'll be 7.30 this Friday night on the NFHS Network. Hope you can join Daniel and me for the call on that one. That'll wrap us up for the last few guys do a podcast. We'll be with you next week. Talking more NFL Week 1 action and college football Week 2 action. Hope you can join us again. Mash the like button here on iTunes, on Spotify, on Apple Applecasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all your support. I'm John Morgan for Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of The Last Three Guys to Do a Podcast.